Our reading for today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Then Jesus called the twelve together and gave them the power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Wherever they do not welcome you as you are leaving, that town shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God this morning. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. It is a blessing and indeed, indeed a blessing to be in worship with each and every one of you all today. Um, I pray that you all had a great week. And if you did not, I firmly believe that you're in the right place at the right time for God to do something in your life, uh, for God to show up in a way that you didn't expect, or for God to do something in your heart that you deeply need this morning. My name is Donovan Archie. I'm one of the pastors here, as Pastor Jeff has mentioned early on, uh, here at Ebenezer Church. I have the blessing of serving what's called the Love Your Neighbor Network. It's a network of small neighborhood-based faith communities uh, that meet in different places in Stafford County and beyond. If you don't know what a small faith community is, I'm happy to share it with you. A small faith community are smaller expressions that are contextual to communities uh, which take on the life and the elements and functions of an actual church. So much like how we gather together for worship and discipleship and or mission in micro churches and smaller spaces, more contextual spaces, they participate in some of this same work, missions, discipleship, and worship. This is a borrowed approach from the early church and some of their earlier practices in forming community, but then also helping the other and the other disciples and fellow disciples to grow in their faith. And then also be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and teach people about the kingdom of God. It was this dynamic of faith, this community of faith that was gathered together, banded together to be a community that grows with one another, but then is also sent out by the Holy Spirit to do some incredible work. And this approach takes on that similar form in a similar life, a similar life. That we gather together as believers, as people of faith, but then also we bring along with us in mission people who are non-Christian and people who find themselves on different uh, ends of the spectrum of discipleship, whether you are a believer and a mature Christian to people who are non-believers or who have rejected faith in total. It also seeks to engage the unchurched or the de-churched or as I sometimes like to call it, church dropouts. People who have varying relationships with the church. These communities build opportunities to bring together people who share common interests, who seek to grow in their spiritual life, who seek connection, who seek to improve in their faith, um, but more importantly, also in their life. I got to tell you, one of the most valuable parts about being the pastor or leading the Love Your Neighbor Network is the power that I witness in the lives of its leaders, um, but then also people who are impacted by the work of the leaders. You see, these leaders are mature Christians, Christians who have committed their lives, their lives to working for Christ. 
listening to what's happening in their neighborhoods, in their local communities, and showing up in contextual and meaningful ways, all as a means to engage and to connect with people, but then to also help us fulfill this greater mission of connecting with our neighbors in our local communities and neighborhoods so that we can connect, heal, and bring hope to the world. This here is what I feel is the power of Christianity, is the power of believers, the power of people of faith. When we experience a faith that is robust, that is meaningful, that is deep, that is life-changing, that is heartwarming, we too get empowered and encouraged to share that faith with other people in our local communities and everywhere we go. One of the other greatest joys is moving beyond the walls of the church and being where people are and making an impact on people's lives, but in meaningful and life-giving and restorative ways. You see, what I've learned is there's a truth to this work. There's a truth also to this world that in our communities, in our local communities surrounding this church and beyond, There are people who are struggling and people who are hurting, people who have deeply, who have people who have deep needs uh, that are unmet and people who are looking for opportunities to experience God in new ways or have their faith in their lives or spiritual lives reshaped in a way that is deeply meaningful to them. The other truth is that the world is not always as it seems. There are families who are, who experience hard times still. There are some who struggle to get and move beyond themselves. There are people who feel stuck in life, not finding that there's a way to get unstuck. There are people who lack a great sense of purpose, but then also lack a great sense of belonging in our communities. There are families and people that long for connection, who long for connection. And then there are people who are depraved spiritually and are in deep need of spiritual connection and rebirth. There are also people who have doubts and questions, and those doubts and questions sometimes prevent them from moving forward and taking the next faithful step in their faith like how they want to. And then there are some of us or people out there who are just looking for recalibration, people who are looking for a reset in life, both spiritually and sometimes physically, and people who are just simply looking for a brand new life. When we show up and we offer and share the faith that we have. We share a, a life of faith that can help bring restoration and healing to all of these, all of these different uh, versions of life that people go through and circumstances. In our message, All In, in our message series, All In, we've been looking at our church's new vision. Um, and the title of our new vision is Focus 2030. And we have four sort of focuses, but, but sort of six sort of focuses. Loving God through worship. Loving God through discipleship, growing with one another. Loving others through missions in our world and in our local community. And then doing that through giving and serving. And through over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been looking at these three ways that we are seeking to love God, but then also love our neighbors and then people who we're called to. But this week, we are looking at our fourth tenet of our church's mission as it relates to Focus 2030. And that is community presence. The way we love others through community presence, showing up and providing the gift of presence. So, 
This is a direct reflection of what we experienced when Christ showed up for us in our lives and restored us and helped us, provided for us new life. And now it's our call as a church, but then also as believers and as people of faith to lean into what it means to show up as well. Because when Christ showed up for us, he also gives us the call to show up for others in their lives. Amen. Let us pray. God, we are so grateful for how you show up for us. God, how you have shown up for us even throughout history. How you, God, saw our need and you pursued us with your love and with your missional efforts through your Holy Spirit, God, you chased after us, longing to restore us and to reconcile us to yourself. And God, now you call us to that work, the same work that you are a part of. And so today, God, as we hear a message from scripture today, God, may we be inspired and God rekindled as to how you're calling for us to participate uh, in your work in this world. God, we thank you and we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to share today something uh, with you that you didn't know about me. And I know what you're thinking. What is it this time, Pastor Donovan? <laughs> Don't worry. I just want to share with you a hobby that I have. <laughs> You see, I am an avid thrifter. I'm an avid thrifter. I enjoy shopping at thrift stores and consignment shops. Uh, and I, this is, has been a, a special love or passion of mine for quite some time. It's been since I was a child. Do we have any thrifters in the house tonight or today? <laughs> Not many. You all are missing out. I tell you. I absolutely love thrifting. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's like shopping for hidden treasures or things that you uh, were never able to find that you could happen upon if you ever visited a thrift store. It's become a craze among Gen X and millennials, and I am a millennial, so I participate in this craze, although I've beat the generations to the punch a long time ago. This has now become a custom within among the two generations, um, and they've turned it into a verb, which is just called thrifting. So some millennials or Gen Xers may say, I'm going thrifting today to find new clothes or gently used items. And, uh, and, and it's funny because a lot of the items that they think they're going to search for is now being given the word vintage. So they're going to look for vintage items. Those are the things that's at the thrift store. It's funny how times change and how things change. I love the thrift store since I was a child and I have loved shopping there. But I got to tell you, my love for the thrift store and shopping there has matured over the years. When I was a child and a teenager and even a growing young adult, my love and passion for shopping at the thrift store was mainly because I could find discounted clothes, um, typically sometimes name brand clothes or gently used clothes, and I could find it at a discounted price. I loved it also because I knew that a lot of those uh, items came with a story. It came with meaning behind it because I sort of felt like I was connected to the people who once wore the clothing or who once had the items. But over the years and even now, I'm finding myself falling in love with a different part of thrifting or different items at the thrift store. This time it's furniture. Before it was clothing, now it's furniture. 
I love the idea of redeeming furniture and bringing it home and find it, finding for that piece of furniture or those uh, furniture items new meaning, new purpose, or new value. You see, the truth is people oftentimes forget about the things that end up at the thrift store. Either they don't have use for it, they don't see value in it, they got rid of it for multiple, for many different reasons, and they see that these things are no longer of value to their lives, so to the thrift store it goes. But for me, my love for the thrift store comes with this whole idea of redemption and restoration. Not only just finding unique pieces or discounted items, but being able to go into the thrift store and see broken things as beautiful. For me, the items, again, that I bring home have a story. There's something deeply rooted in the story that they tell. For me, the items that I bring home, whether it's a lamp or a dresser or a side table drawer, are connected to people who I don't know. Even if I'm wearing clothes like someone else's shoes today and sweater, I'm connected to a community of people who I do not know. It's almost as if I am connected to their story and that I am living with that story, their story. I'm living with something that they once owned and we're connected somehow in this beautiful thing called life, even though I don't know them. For me, it's value. There's a value in seeing broken things as beautiful. For me, being able to see a vision for something that was thrown away or tossed out or something that was deemed without purpose, bringing it home and giving it new life and giving it new meaning is a joy to me. Because the truth is, sometimes some things are in need of redemption. Sometimes things are in need of new life. And for me, these items need a good home. If I could think some, if I could think of people out in the world as uh, like items in a thrift store, I would imagine that people in the world and in our community experience some of the same feelings. That they are wanting to experience very deep within themselves a sense of having a good home. This sense of wanting a brand new purpose to be renewed, to be transformed, and to experience redemption. Like the items that I love and like the people that I too love. Sometimes it's up to me to see the vision for that item, but then also put in the work to bring in that thing to full restoration. In the scripture that was read for us today, we see something similar at work here. In Luke chapter 9 verses 1 through 6, it tells of this beautiful story of how Jesus commissions his disciple to par- disciples to participate in this life-changing and life-giving work. Not only is this work life-changing and life-giving, but it is also a fulfillment of Jesus' work and purpose as he has come to the world. The ministry of reconciliation and the ministry of redemption. In the chapters that was read for us today... We see the disciples taking their first steps into this missional ministry to their local communities, the villages that are nearby to them, ministering to people called the Jews. And if you have your Bibles with me, I want you to turn back to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. I want to read it one more time. In in Luke chapter 9, we see Jesus doing this. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he said to his, he gave his, when Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases and sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. 
he told them, take nothing with you for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt or even a tunic. Whatever house you enter into, stay there until you leave that town. And if the people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. There's some interesting things happening in this scripture. Not only is it interesting, but I think it is a powerful reminder to us as to the type of work that Jesus calls us to and the type of work that he sends us out to do. The interesting thing that is happening in the scriptures is that the disciples that spent so much time with Jesus had seen Jesus performing miracles, had lived with Jesus for quite some time, had heard the message of the good news, heard him preach very mightily and powerfully to the Jews and also the surrounding people. But they never had the opportunity to participate in the actual work of providing healing to people or even preaching the gospel. After they have witnessed Jesus doing this, Jesus comes to the place in his ministry where he is now ready to empower his community of the of the 12 disciples to now go and do the work that they had witnessed him doing. This for the disciples is their first missionary journey into preaching the gospel and healing the sick. There would be many more opportunities that would come after this, but this is their first shot at being empowered with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to go and do what they've seen Jesus do. For me, this is incredible because this is the part of their lives where their faith begins to unlock and unfold. It is the place in their lives where something new is beginning. In their walk with Jesus and their time being spent in their time spent with Jesus as disciples, for the very first time they're experiencing something new happening. There are layers to their discipleships to their discipleship. There are layers to what they're called to be as disciples. Not only are they called to receive the message of the good news and to experience healing themselves, but Jesus sends them into the world to actually do this work. And this is their first shot. So Jesus tells them, he says, to receive the power and the authority given to you to heal the sick and to preach the gospel. They're given power, given the power from Jesus to be able to to heal the sick and to drive out demons. And in this early century, they didn't have a strong idea as to what demons were. They were mistaken sometimes as various illnesses that people had. So a lot of times in the interpretation, it would present itself as though sicknesses or various forms of illnesses were considered demons or a person to be possessed. But they were given the power to go and show up in their personal local communities where the Jews were and to provide for people healing that comes directly from God. But not only this, but he was given, they were given the authority to be able to tell people where that power and healing comes from. Jesus is giving them a coupled type of work. That you are to use your power to heal, but then also your authority to preach and to share your faith and to give people a brand new way to understand and to see God. 
You see, God is in the work of redemption and by experiencing healing, it is the first step in helping people to understand and to know about this redeeming and life-giving God. So he gives them the power and the authority to do so. And then he also gives them this message of taking nothing with you. He says to take nothing with you as a way of saying, make the journey light. As you go into your local communities and villages, travel lightly. Take nothing with you physically that will slow you down or that will have you be presented as people of esteem. But rather, let God provide for you along the way and let the people who welcome you into their homes provide for you and give you provisions for your next journey ahead. Build community and build family in the communities where you go to as you heal and tell people about God. I love this because he provides for us this way of experiencing God, but also as living as disciples who are called to go out and share this message, but also be help find means to help people experience healing and hope and transformation in the world. Jesus tells them, tells them to receive power and authority, to take nothing with you, but he tells them to also be present. He says to go from village to village of every Jewish family that you can find. And as you go there and as they receive you, share my message of love and what God is doing. And if they don't receive that message, know that they have not received me either, but do not let that stop you from helping people experience new life. You see, I love how Jesus sets this as sort of a framework for our own mission as a church and even our own mission as disciples, our own call as Christians and believers and as people of faith. That we too are to receive power from God. And not only power, but authority as well. Power to help people experience mean, uh, experience the means of um, healing and grace. But then also providing new ways, comfortable ways for people to learn something different about God. That we too are told by Jesus to take nothing with us as we go into our local communities and places where people are hurting and are in deep need of spiritual renewal. Taking nothing with you includes not only physical things, but for me, I think it's figurative things as well. Like being a non-anxious presence in the face of non-believers or people who grapple with this, with this whole idea of faith. People who struggle and have questions about God or who reject God in full. Being gracious to people and forgiving and loving, preparing the space for people to be able to receive what God has for them. Jesus says, take nothing with you. I also take this to mean that Jesus says to take nothing with you as in our preconceived notions, to take not your judgments and your personal desires or not to take your agendas or your assumptions about what we think about others or feel about others, but live open to how God is calling you to be a disciple and a vessel of grace and to show up and be present and be used by God. Be used by God and let God work through you and do the things in lives and in, in the lives of others and in, com in your community that God wants to do and not yourself. 
Scripture reminds us that it is God who searches the heart of every person and the spirit intercedes for each of us. You see, the company of Christians in the world makes a difference. We are resident agents of grace in this life and on this earth. And when we show up and go beyond the walls of our church into our communities and help people know God in creative or practical ways, we are participating in God's redeeming and reconciling work. People are asking the question, how can I experience God? How is it that I could know the God of the universe? How is it that I could have a new type of life? How is it that I could see myself new? How is it that I could see myself as redeemed? How is it that I could see myself as having a brand new sense of purpose in life? Well, it comes through knowing Jesus and experiencing God. And if I could revisit my love for thrifted items, I would imagine that it's that same dynamic. Helping people to realize how loved they are, how they are valued, how they are not thrown away by society, how they are not forgotten about, how they can also be given new purpose in life and also giving new meaning, but then also be able, but then also be set up to realize how much they can experience a brand new life in Jesus Christ. You see, there's much more to thrift store, huh? To the thrift store, huh? It's a part of the work of redemption. And if I could call our work as Christians, as believers, and as people of faith something, I would say that we are ambassadors of Christ. And as a church, as we seek to live into our mission, as we seek to be serious and all in with our vision 2030 of helping people to be reconciled to God and to love God and to love others, we do so as ambassadors. Community presence. In our efforts to love God, we grow in our faith. We grow in our faith as disciples. And as we grow in our faith as disciples, we're then called by Christ to go out into the world to serve in mission. Helping to provide mercy and healing for others. But then also, we're also, but then also we're called to our local communities. We're called to our local communities to show up to be agents of grace, Christ ambassadors, and to provide healing and hope to help people experience something different about the God that people argue about and grapple with and provide new ways for them to enter into relationship with Christ. You see, when we live into having presence in our communities, life changes, people's lives changes, change. Lives are transformed and hearts are deeply warmed. It's not just a core value that's a cute principle. It is what Christ calls for each and every one of us to do as people of faith. I love what Paul says when he writes to the Corinthians. He writes to communities, villages, neighborhoods in Corinth. And he writes this message about being an ambassador of Christ because as we have experienced forgiveness and love, it is our mission to not hoard it, but to give it out. That if you give anything away, you give this one thing away because it is worth sharing with others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 11 through 20, Paul very powerfully reminds us, uh, reminds us of our call. He says that we are Christ's ambassadors. 
He says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows that we are sincere, and I hope that you know that we are sincere in this as well. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life, experiencing new life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. It was Christ who died and was raised for them. And now they are raised to new life. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Because at one point, at one point, we taught Christ merely from a human point of view. We understood Christ from a human point of view, but no longer do we. He says, how different are we now? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Paul then goes on to say, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and no longer counting people's sins against them. But now they have been brought into this wonderful message of reconciliation. And he ends by saying, so now we are Christ's ambassadors and God through us makes his appeal to them. Powerful. That as we live open to how we are Christ's ambassadors in the world, we serve as agents of God's grace. And that when we live open to it, we show up just as vessels. And we're able to help people come into the knowledge of God that they are valued and that they are loved and that there is an opportunity for brand new life, for something new, for renewal, for transformation. Because it is Christ at work in our lives. And when we show up as ambassadors in the world, we participate in God's reconciling and redeeming work, but also God's restorative work also. Don't you want to see people restored? Don't you want to see our world restored and transformed? Well, Jesus and Paul says that it starts with us. That as we have experienced new life, go and tell other people about the way that they too can experience new life. Amen.